Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said... Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hey everybody, it's AG and welcome to Refried Beans, where we play an episode of the Daily Beans podcast from the same week, either one, two, or three years ago, so we can see how far we've come. So please enjoy this episode from days gone by and note the date in the intro. Refried beans, I like refried beans. That's why I want to try fried beans, because maybe they're just as good and we're we're wasting time. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 6th, 2022. Today, Merrick Garland delivers remarks putting to bed some of the questions about whether the Department of Justice intends to hold accountable the leaders and funders of the insurrection. Sebastian Gorka and the Pillow Man are the latest to sue the 1-6 committee as former press secretary Stephanie Grisham cooperates and the committee considers holding their public hearings during primetime. I'm Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Today, on the anniversary of the attack on the Capitol, aimed at usurping the peaceful transition of power, I'll be talking with one of the heroes that held the line that day, Officer Harry Dunn, who wrote an op-ed alongside Officer Gunnell about holding those responsible accountable. I'll be going over the speech Merrick Garland gave to the employees of the Department of Justice. And finally, I'll be joined by Amy Carrero for the good news later in the show. 
We do have a lot to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. As you may have heard, today, Attorney General Merrick Garland gave an incredibly important speech on the progress and the future of the investigation into the attack on the Capitol one year ago today. As we all know, many people have been left wondering what the Department of Justice has been doing or not doing because of its own policy. And because of that policy, as you know, the department is barred from discussing publicly specific crimes and ongoing investigations. And that silence has made Merrick Garland a target because politics abhors a vacuum. Real and reasonable concern has been growing, given no public indication of an investigation into the leaders, funders, and insiders of the coup. I was expecting Garland to come out today and continue with the rhetoric he's been limited to since the beginning. But in fact, he went quite a bit further than I expected him to go. And he did it without violating policy, without jeopardizing investigations and prosecutions, and without violating the civil rights and civil liberties of current and future criminal defendants. Some of the standout moments in his speech today for me include his introduction, which laid out three main points that he would eventually tie together. He said, quote, we will defend our democratic institutions from attack. We will protect those who serve the public from violence and threats of violence. And we will protect the cornerstone of our democracy, the right of every eligible citizen to cast a vote that counts. Now, the attack on the Capitol wasn't just about the violence that day. It was about a vast conspiracy that started much earlier to foment lies about voter fraud, which were designed to be used as a catalyst to raise money and then pass laws that threaten the right to vote, and the rise of domestic terror and extremism in the United States as well. And I'm glad he acknowledged that they are all inextricably tied together. He goes on to talk about the violent attack on the Capitol and says this. With increasing numbers of individuals having breached the Capitol, members of the Senate and the House of Representatives, including the President of the Senate, Vice President Mike Pence, had to be evacuated. As a consequence, proceedings in both chambers were disrupted for hours, interfering with a fundamental element of American democracy, the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to the next. Those involved must be held accountable, and there is no higher priority for us at the Department of Justice. Now, I think it's important he mentioned the peaceful transfer of power because that relates to something I've been mentioning over and over again ever since Liz Cheney said it during Mark Meadows' contempt of Congress hearings, and that's 18 U.S. Code 1512C2, obstruction of an official proceeding. That is a crime that carries the same sentence as seditious conspiracy, a max 20 years, but it's far easier to prove with a more robust history of precedent. And as you know, five federal judges have now upheld the Department of Justice's application of 1512C2, and I'm glad he connects it here. Garland then goes on to emphasize how we cannot overstate the heroism of law enforcement that day. He names the five officers that have laid the greatest sacrifice upon the altar of democracy, Officer Brian Sicknick, Officer Howard Liebengood, Officer Jeffrey Smith, Officer Gunther Hashida, and Officer Kyle DeFreitag. Now, later in this show, I will be joined by Officer Harry Dunn to discuss his Washington Post op-ed penned along with Officer Gunnell about how the government they defended a year ago today has a duty to hold all the perpetrators accountable. Garland, back to his speech, then addresses the immense size and scope 
of the January 6th investigation. He refers to, quote, 5,000 subpoenas and search warrants, seized approximately 2,000 devices, poured through over 20,000 hours of video footage, and searched through an estimated 15 terabytes of data. We have received over 300,000 tips from ordinary citizens who have been our indispensable partners in this effort. And, and I think it's important that he talks about the size and scope of this investigation because a lot of folks balk at my Watergate comparison when they say, well, that's 2022. I was 1972. We have technology now. But I, I want everyone to see how technology actually makes investigations more burdensome. Garland here goes on to discuss what we have referred to as building a pyramid of guilt in a bottom-up investigation. Let's listen. In complex cases, initial charges are often less severe than later charged offenses. This is purposeful, as investigators methodically collect and sift through more evidence. After that, Garland explains why we've seen more light sentences than heavy sentences, responding to a lot of criticism he's been facing, not just from the public, but from judges, too about the light sentencing and light fines that are happening in this investigation so far. He says, quote, a necessary consequence of the prosecutorial approach of charging less serious offenses first is that courts impose shorter sentences before they impose longer ones. In recent weeks, however, as judges have sentenced the first defendants convicted of assaults and related violent conduct against officers, we've seen significant sentences that reflect the seriousness of those offenses both in terms of the injuries they caused and the serious risk they posed to our democratic institutions. And after that, Garland addresses a question that's been on most of our minds as the months have told on whether the department will hold accountable the leaders of the attack. Let's listen. The actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. The Justice Department remains committed to holding all January 6 perpetrators at any level accountable under law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. We will follow the facts wherever they lead. Now, we already knew this because we saw him testify to Congress when Senator Whitehouse asked him, hey, uh, are you constraining this to just the boots on the ground, to just the people who were inside the Capitol that day? He said, no, he's not constraining it in any way. But this was a big deal, speech to America. Now, finally, he takes aim at those who believe the investigation is taking too long. He says, quote, because January 6th was an unprecedented attack on the seat of our democracy, we understand that there is broad public interest in our investigation. We understand that there are questions about how long the investigation will take and about what exactly we are doing. Our answer is, and will continue to be, the same answer we would give with respect to any ongoing investigation. As long as it takes, and whatever it takes, for justice to be done, consistent with the facts and the law. I understand this might not be the answer some are looking for, but we will and we must speak through our work. Anything else jeopardizes the viability of our investigations and the civil liberties of our citizens. Everyone in this room is familiar with the way we conduct investigations and particularly complex investigations. We build investigations by laying a foundation. We resolve more straightforward cases first because they provide the evidentiary foundation for more complex cases. Investigating the more overt crimes generates linkages to less overt ones. Overt actors and the evidence they provide can lead us to others 
who may have also been involved. And that evidence can serve as the foundation for further investigative leads and techniques. In circumstances like those of January 6th, a full accounting does not suddenly materialize. To ensure that all those criminally responsible are held accountable, we must collect the evidence. We follow the physical evidence. We follow the digital evidence. We follow the money. Now, to me, it doesn't get much clearer than that. And I'm exceedingly happy that the Attorney General addressed the real and reasonable concerns many people have had regarding the urgency scope and the intention of the most consequential investigation in our nation's history. I hope this puts to bed many of the concerns I've been hearing, though I understand it does not address them all. I will discuss some of those issues with the author of the book Compromised and former Mueller prosecutor Pete Strzok on this Sunday's Mueller She Wrote, and I hope you listen to that. I would like to thank everyone who stood by me in what may have seemed like a fierce defense of the Justice Department, even though I'm equally as critical of them. It's been a never-ending onslaught of personal and political attacks that had just about blown me over. But today, Attorney General Merrick Garland assuaged my concerns, vindicated the arguments I've been making over the past several months, and I'm glad I continued to stand up for what I believe is correct. And I want to thank you all for being there for me, especially when things seemed their bleakest. It wasn't always easy. Again, were all my questions answered today? No. I will continue to ask the D.C. U.S. Attorney's offices often and as in as many ways as I can for consideration of the Mueller obstruction of justice charges, as I believe a failure to do so would be a dereliction of duty and it would invite future despots to skirt the rule of law without fear of consequences. But after the remarks today, I feel better about this issue being addressed. Time will tell. Those statutes of limitations are coming up in just about four or five months. Now. Over to the committee. Chair Benny Thompson of the January 6th committee is said to be considering rare primetime hearings to build the maximum audience for public testimony about the events of January 6th. A committee aide told Axios that members are still discussing potential formats and timing for the committee's hearings. And Benny Thompson told Bloomberg the hearings could open in late March or early April, which is later than I think we were expecting. I was thinking end of January for some reason, although no one really said that. I think that was just sort of the place everybody fell, because I think they said early next year. They could extend into summer as well. And while many like John Dean and Jill Weinbanks want the hearings to begin as soon as possible, and I don't disagree, there may be many reasons they aren't, including but not limited to all the stonewalling of some of the more recalcitrant witnesses, the multiple lawsuits filed against the committee, and the sheer magnitude of the probe, which we got a better glimpse of today. The committee knows it's on a timeline. It may be politically advantageous to have the hearings closer to the midterms, with the final report said to be due out before the election in November. The committee has said it would make any and all necessary criminal referrals before the end of this Congress. And even if the GOP were to win one or both chambers in the midterms, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure they don't, And while they could make life miserable for the Department of Justice if they took over, they cannot ultimately stop a Justice Department investigation. Nor can they carry out another plan I've heard floated, impeaching and removing Biden and Harris to install their Speaker of the House as president. Removal after impeachment requires two-thirds vote in the Senate. And that is not a Senate rule that Mitch McConnell can just change with a simple majority or a filibuster carve-out. It's embedded in the Constitution. It would not prevail in court even if it ever got there. Now, that doesn't preclude violence, however, but Biden's Department of Homeland Security and new rules about the deployment of National Guard in D.C. have strengthened our protection against such violence. 
But we can't rule out the fact that we are teetering on the edge of autocracy right now. And speaking of stonewalling the committee and trying to run out the clock, Sebastian Gorka joins the ranks of recalcitrant witnesses suing the 1-6 committee over a phone record subpoena. According to the lawsuit, Gorka has not been asked by the committee to answer questions or provide any other documents. He says he had been asked to speak at a January 6th rally meant to be held in front of the Supreme Court, but his speech was canceled. And he said he was merely a spectator for the events of that day. The subpoena included in the filing had asked for phone records from November 1st, 2020 to the end of January 2021 from Gorka to be turned over by December 31st, 2021. I hope they already have them. In recent weeks, lawsuits have been filed by Mike Flynn, uh, Mark Meadows, John Eastman, Stop the Steel founder, Ali Alexander, a slew of other witnesses the committee believes has knowledge and involvement in the events that preceded the attack on the Capitol. The pillow man, Mike Lindell, has also said his phone records have been subpoenaed by the House Committee investigating January 6th. That revelation came after CNBC reported last month that Lindell spent $25 million since Election Day on 2020 to push false claims of election fraud. Lindell told CNBC later in a phone interview he filed a legal complaint Wednesday in federal court in Minneapolis. He said he received a notice from Verizon about the subpoena no more than 10 days ago, and he was informed the committee wanted his phone records from November through early January. Now, keep in mind, Mr. Pillowman is also tied to a criminal investigation into the PACs of Kraken Strike Force Trump lawyer Sidney Powell out of the USAO DC, the U.S. Attorney's Office in DC, and is currently feuding with her and General Mike Flynn. Good times. Now, on the other hand, former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham will meet Wednesday evening on Capitol Hill with a select committee investigating the insurrection. That's according to multiple sources familiar with it. Grisham's meeting with the committee came after the former White House aide and chief of staff to First Lady Melania Trump had a phone call with a committee member, and it was Jamie Raskin, during which Raskin encouraged her to meet with the panel. A source tells CNN that Grisham and Raskin had an in-depth phone call about her knowledge of events behind the scenes at the White House on January 6th. They also told CNN that Grisham was candid about events at the White House at the time, many of which Grisham was present for, including knowledge of conversations involving the former guy on that day. Grisham left her job as press secretary and White House communications director in April of 2020, just shy of one year in those positions. She never held a press briefing in the briefing room while press secretary. Grisham was replaced by Kaylee McEnany. She immediately returned to the East Wing, picking up the title of chief of staff to Melania, who told CNN at the time she knew Grisham would excel as chief of staff. On the afternoon of 1-6, Grisham became the first Trump administration official to resign that day as a result of the insurrection. Grisham later confirmed in her memoir of her time at the White House that she sent Melania Trump a text that said, do you want to tweet that peaceful protests are the right of every American, but there's no place for lawlessness and violence? To which Melania replied, no. CNN has reported that on January 6th, Melania was conducting a photo shoot of some of the carpets in the White House that she'd installed and was disinterested in using her voice to condemn the violence, nor to tell her husband to condemn the violence. It wasn't until January 11th that Melania publicly acknowledged the insurrection. With the exception of Dan Scavino, Grisham was one of the longest-serving members of the Trump administration, starting her time with the former guy as a press aide on his campaign. All right, we'll be right back with Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn, who held the line a year ago today and helped save Congress, helped save the peaceful transfer of power, and helped save democracy itself. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. Truly honored to be joined today by one of the officers who held the line on January 6th, a year ago, Harry Dunn. Welcome. 
Hi, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's uh, wonderful to meet you. It's an honor to meet you. And this week, you penned an op-ed with Officer Gunnell about what happened a year ago. And the title of the article, the title of the op-ed is, The Government We Defended Last January 6th Has a Duty to Hold All the Perpetrators Accountable. And that echoes what you said in your very poignant testimony when you testified before the committee middle of last year. Can you talk a little bit about why it's so important that the government you helped save and protect and defend looks out for you as well? You know, I like, uh, I try to simplify things. I don't talk about things I don't know much about. And, you know, I, I just like to talk about things that I know about, but I do know that, uh, Congress has a job to do. Um, they're elected to do, they have responsibilities and we, the people, uh, regardless of who you vote for, they work for you. And their job is to keep this country safe, put measures in place to keep this country safe. So while we on January 6th took care of the physical part of it, they need to take care of the legislative part of it to make sure things like that don't happen again. I appreciate it. I do my job and I want them to do theirs. It's not necessarily a um, a bashing piece. Uh, it's just, hey, a reminder, you all work for us. Thank you. Do your job kind of thing. Just like a friendly reminder. It's really hard to you know gauge tone in something like that. But um, they have a job to do. They're elected to do their job. I'm, I'm a police officer. I'll police you. You're a lawmaker. You legislate. And let's just do let's do your job. You have a job and a duty. And and hell, I'll ask for a personal favor. I'm a police officer that saved your ass. So please help us out a little bit. So how uh, frustrating is it to see the perpetrators of what happened last year actually trying to change January 6th into uh, some sort of patriotic celebration as opposed to what it truly was and is, which is a continuing and and unrelenting assault on democracy? You know, uh, at first that stuff was kind of frustrating, was really disheartening. But uh, I've grown a little bit through, uh, through talking, through therapy, and just basic understanding of some people are assholes, just to put it bluntly. Some people, they're just, they're not going to get it. They're not going to agree with you. They're not going to agree with facts. They'll come up with alternative facts. I've heard that before, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, those are the type of people I will not attempt to, I won't give any of my energy to, I won't talk to them. I won't interact with them because you're wasting your time. It's pointless because you literally will hand them a red crayon and they'll tell you the crayon is blue and there's nothing that you can do to persuade them. So stop wasting your time with those type of people. So it's not disappointing anymore. It's just, I just chalk it up to, I, I, they're ignorant and I am not attempting to reach them. Yeah, it's, it's noise. I think my dad used to say you can't add water to a bucket that's full. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And, and with regards to the, the January 6th committee, select committee in the house, you know, the, this op-ed calling on them to do their job. How do you think? What kind of, do you think they're doing a good job? Do you think that they're getting the facts that they need or, or is it, it was a bit difficult for them because they're being stonewalled by so many people refusing to comply with subpoenas and document requests? So let's put that in perspective a little bit. Like, I don't, I think that they're doing their job. I think that they're doing a good job. I think that they're a little more motivated also than just 
any type of regular legislation. I think they're a little more motivated, not only because, you know, they recognize the severity that or the, the, the danger that our country faces or losing our democracy. Not only that, but they're personally invested in it because they were in the building here on January 6th. And all of them have shared their stories of uh, where they were and what they went through and the thoughts that went to their mind on January 6th. So they were potentially victims that day themselves also. So I think they're a little motivated too, while also doing it correctly and thoroughly. And the thing about doing things thoroughly is it takes time and people will get frustrated because justice is not just instant. You have to do things thoroughly. Sure, we uh, we wouldn't be human if we didn't. I mean, look at all the things that we microwaves or instant pots. Everything we want is so in drive throughs. Every we want everything instantly, and nobody really wants to wait for it. But this is something I believe worth waiting for. And then when all the facts come out, that um, you won't be able to have any type of argument against the facts. And I believe that that's just what they're doing. They are gathering all the facts. And to your other point about um, them being stonewalled, they're not really. You know, it's three people that we know about that are not complying out of 300 plus witnesses. So, you know, that's 1%. Mm. Let's not let's not give those guys more credit than what they deserve. Honestly, I, this is just my opinion. I have no privy info to the committee or anything like that. But I believe that they can make their case without those three individuals. It just makes them look even worse, I guess. Um, and like I said, that's my opinion. That's not, you know, not, not based on anything. But I also think that, uh, you know, the stonewalling that uh, the courts are actually moving fast with the, um, you know, the recent uh, due process, the leak. And you know what? And it's it, the president, the former president, he's allowed to do that. Like that's within his rights to appeal to the courts. I mean, you know, as a personal citizen, I'm like, uh, whatever, it's BS. But that's also part of democracy, too. We can't be one-sided when it comes to democracy. We have to, even if it's something that we don't like or agree with, if it's if it's the law, if it's the rule of the land, then, you know, we have to let it play out. I think it's going to play out favorably for the people who want to see accountability served, but we just have to wait and see. Yeah, and, and speaking of what you brought up about instant gratification you know you, you're talking mostly about congress and the one six committee in this piece with officer Ganell, and you you directly defended congress but you also indirectly defended and and saved democracy in general and our government in general which includes the executive branch and the department of justice is is taking a very long time to and, and of course we don't know much about what they're doing because it's in, yeah. built into their policy that they aren't allowed to talk about it what are your thoughts on criminal accountability for this? Because, you know, like you said, and you're in law enforcement, and, and we know this, just because three people are stonewalling, just because the, the three people are stonewalling out of 300 that are cooperating, yeah. you know, you generally, when you're going after a criminal, you don't really get the cooperation of that criminal, and, and they, they still end up going to jail. So I'm wondering what you think about what's going on with the DOJ or what might not be going on with the DOJ. We know we're, we're expecting Merrick Garland to make a statement here. And uh, that, that, you know, he will be he will have made this statement by the time this interview airs. But yeah. they, they are being pretty quiet. You know, uh, I um, and this is only like speculation. Like I said at the beginning, I only like to talk about things that I know about. But so my opinion about this is uh, we've never seen anything like this happen before. 
So was there any precedent to judge it off of? Like, oh my gosh, they should have had this wrapped up. According to who? According to what? So I, I, I don't know. I'm 38. I can't think about that. You know, I can't go back that far in time and think about things that may or may not have happened before in history. So there's no like comparative for me. It's not. So I can't really say, you know, what is taking so long? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, yes, I, I'm frustrated just as an individual, but I'm sure the gravity of this incident, it's, um, it's unprecedented. And, um, the, the number of defendants, like there's over 700, what, 50, 60 arrests. Like, has that ever happened from one particular incident before? Like, I, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I feel you. I feel you. Cause people are like, Oh, it should have, it should have been wrapped up by now. And I'm like, you're comparing this to what the last attack on the Capitol. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, so yeah, I, yes, it's frustrating for, but I guess we just have to wait and be patient. I, I, nobody wants to be patient. Nobody does. I damn sure don't. If I'm being honest, like I, I want, I wanted it over January 8th, you know, January 7th, January 8th. Like let's, let's get some answers and put them people in jail. But it, doesn't work that way and um you know <laughs> if you don't like it let's vote let's change the let's let's get put some people in in an office that agree with your policies then they'll agree with align with your vision your views i think that would be a cool thing to do like um how do you commemorate january 6th let's get a bunch of people registered to vote like how about that like because i i am in the um the solution business like yeah we got a bunch of problems that exist all right okay let's fix them and you ask people for solutions and everybody's quiet then on solutions um but everybody's so vocal about expressing their problems okay let's solve them let's realistically solve them i think a great solving to a, a solution to a lot of the problems that people are expressing is hell let's get a lot of people registered to vote so that would be my request. If y'all want to honor people on January 6th and commemorate that, get, register somebody to vote. I don't know. Well, I think that's an excellent idea. And uh, I really appreciate your time today. Everybody check out the op-ed by Officer Dunn and Officer Gunnell. It's called The Government We Defended Last January 6th Has a Duty to Hold All the Perpetrators Accountable. Again, I thank you so much for your work and your dedication and your patriotism. And I appreciate your time today. Harry Dunn. Thank you so much. Nice talking with you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Who likes good news? Everyone. Then good news, everyone. Good news. Good news. Joining me today for this very special good news is Amy Carrero. Hi, Amy. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I had a day. So. Oh, I know. I know. I've been. Wa- I mean, I don't know. I've just been watching you <laughs> via Twitter like a real creep. <laughs> uh, I yeah, can always you know. tell by your tweets what kind of day you're having. <laughs> yeah, the ones that end with do what you want. <laughs> just do what you want, which honestly is the mood for 2022. Like, fuck off, man. Yeah. Do what you want. Do, like, I don't do even you know. Want. You know, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah. What you want. To- I'm here for this energy. I really mm-hmm. am good uh, and and this is like my new thing too like going forward from today i'm gonna stop with anyone who wants to come and, and attack my whatever blind faith in the right. justice department or which is not true i have several criticisms i talk about them all the time yes 
or you know what about this what about that whatever it is you know what or i'm not satisfied i will see i hate when it happens you know what block water off the bat okay yeah like i don't need it and um we don't need this stress we've been we are stressed enough you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I saw that there's a tweet that's going around for it's been going around for months, but it was like, sorry if my 180 character tweet doesn't encompass your entire life's fucking like experience. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. blockity block, mm-hmm. block, block or mute, whatever. Yeah, just mute, whatever. I'm not even going to probably get all super defensive of block people but like i I don't have to answer no that anymore you don't have to answer to you know bunch of numbers no face (laughs) like you know (laughs) yeah so anyway i'm i'm like i'm very happy about that going forward i I, because i've I've always like people would have issues or questions or criticize and i would always want to answer it and and stuff i'm like you know what i don't owe them that and so and and none none of y'all do don't don't even bother with it if people want to do what they want to do i'm just gonna put my head down report the news talk about what i know to be real it's always come out to be mostly correct so there's this i I, one of the things my husband and i have been doing in this like second lockdown or whatever we're going through currently is we're watching all the marvel movies Mm. and there's this great quote at the end of uh captain marvel where the jude law character is like you know prove to me that you know you have to you know you have to prove this to me and she just like very calmly like comes up to him and says i don't have to prove anything to you i don't owe you anything (laughs) and it's just like uh yeah that's the vibe Mm -hmm. yeah yeah never complain never explain yeah bye the end (sighs) glad we got that off our backs (sighs) (laughs) heading into a new year and uh (laughs) I'm very excited about today's good news. And if anyone has any good news they want to submit or, you know, cases for Amy's court or what the mud or find the cat, whatever shit kids say, shit grandparents say, shit you say, whatever you want to send in. You can do <laughs> it at dailybeanspot.com. <laughs> dailybeanspot.com. Click on contact. I'll kick us off with a submission from Allison. Pronoun she and her. Hey, ladies of the beans. After gushing over my shirt, I thought I would provide a link for where I got it. Legendary Roots, with a Z, makes an assortment of black excellence-affirming merchandise, and my Protect Black Girls shirt is one of the best purchases I made in 2020. Keep on being awesome. Here's a link to the website. Also, apologies. I'm pretty sure I spelled Amy's name wrong in my last submission, and I feel guilty for getting it wrong. Oh, it's it's great. You know, we got bigger problems. I actually like AMY. I I often wonder why my parents chose Mm A-I-M-E-E. Different. Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. You're special. But thank you for that, Allison. It is a very cool shirt. So it's legendary roots with a Z.com and you can check it out there. Love it. Okay. Oh, very cute pick of a baby and the shirt. <laughs> but really, the baby steals the show. I got to say, so sorry about it. Okay. <laughs> next up, we got Cindy, pronouns she and her. I just want to let you know that I look forward to the beans every morning. I enjoy the swears a lot. I have submitted a pet tax for your enjoyment. Cosmo Stormtrooper is my five-year-old hedgehog and Cooper, our four-month-old Australian Mm. cattle mix. He came from our local shelter and is just the sweetest guy. (gasps) Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Look at that little facey. He looks like he has thigh-high boots on. I know. He's so cute. And then look. The hedgy. That's a fucking cute hedgehog. 
Yes, it is. Their little noses and their Aww. little spinies. I love those guys so much. But so that cute. puppy, that puppy's face looking up at you with the ball. Yeah. So adorbs. Thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. Next up, Paul pronouns he and him. Dear Allison and Dana. The good news from Susan on Wednesday about her child that was transitioning also made me choke up. Mm. Our daughter came out to us her senior year in high school. My wife and I were not too surprised. She had dated a couple guys in high school, but in retrospect, the relationship seemed more friend-like than romantic. I think my wife and I took her breakup with her first boyfriend, whom we loved, harder than our (laughs) daughter. In the spring of her senior year, there was a lot of whispering with her friends in the backseat of the car on the way to the volleyball practice, so we knew something was up. She soon announced to my wife, that she had asked a girl to senior prom, and they made a beautiful couple. <laughs> As the previous good news put so well, it's not necessarily about needing to understand. It's about love and support. As a 60-year-old cisgender male, there's only so much I can understand about a 25-year-old gay woman, even if she is my daughter. Like most good parents, my only hope for my daughter is that she's happy as possible and to support whatever makes that happiness the greatest, whether I understand it or not. While we and the rest of my daughter's extended family have welcomed her partner into our family, unfortunately, her partner's family is not so understanding and has no interest in meeting my daughter. Hmm. Mm. hate that. To put a little happy icing on top of this good news cake, my daughter has recently been accepted into medical school. Oh, shit. And we'll be starting year one in August. Not to make it too easy, her med school is in Provo. And she and her partner are a bit nervous about how difficult it will be for a gay couple in Utah. I guess they will find a community, even deeply in Mormon land. They will. They will. Thanks for all you do to entertain and support your community. I truly appreciate it. As Pod Pet Tax, including another picture of Luigi, you can never have too many Luigis, trying to figure out the water fountain he got for Christmas. His strategy is to sneak up on it from behind. (laughs) Luigi. Oh, my God. That's a really funny photo. We had a tuxi named Guido. He was named after Father Guido Sarducci. Father Guido Sarducci. Is that the Luigi's tail coming out through the hole? What is that? Oh, no, maybe that's just like a little, like a hose. No, I think it's just the uh, intake for the water to that's pump it back funny. out the top. Or something. Oh, my that's God. So that's very cute. And thank you for sharing that story. Absolutely great. Oh, I love that. And they will find a community anywhere, for sure. Mm. Next up, from Eric, pronouns he, him. Hello, DG, AG, AC, and the DB crew. <laughs> First, thank you. Thank you for being there as a stable voice of news and truth through listener gestures at the world and then some. Some good news I want to share about the orange stripy boy in the attached pictures. My wife and I are volunteer cat fosters Mm. and 11-year-old senior cat Bootsy came to us in August 2021. He was at a shelter that does not have a no-kill policy. It was his last day to be pulled, so we got him. He was emaciated and terrified, likely in dental pain, serious periodontal disease and rotten teeth, and had a very upset tummy. Mm. When we let him into his room, much to our surprise, he immediately squeezed under an armoire with only a three and a half inches of clearance where he spent weeks hiding any time a person entered the room and not always managing to get to the litter box in time. Mm. He wouldn't even come out to eat. That is remarkable given how much he loves to eat now and shows how terrified he must have been. For several weeks, we never heard a sound from him but a hiss. He had no voice for weeks and it took months before he started meowing. His condition was heartbreaking. We didn't know his past history, only that he was an owner surrender because his last owner couldn't take care of him. With fearful semi-feral cats like he was, recovery can be very slow 
and much like the fabled snail climbing a tree, is a series of small progressions and small to medium regressions, but he was worth it. Fast forward to today, about five months later, and here he is putting on weight, though he refuses to let us weigh him, meowing, (laughs) that's a good rule, playing, he loves his laser dot, making biscuits and purring. He is appropriately underfoot when we prepare his meals, counter surfs for food when we're not in the room, (laughs) caught on the webcam, and he's even comfortable enough to roll around on his head and back and show us his belly when we're in the room. Yes, it's a trap. No touchy. (laughs) He is still skittish at times, especially with loud or strange noises or sudden weird movements. He still hides under the bed sometimes, still hates to be picked up, and petting is only on his terms, usually when distracted by food or nearly asleep. He no longer has most of his teeth, but he's also no longer in pain from them. He has come such a very, very long way, dot, 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 or asterisk, 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 So if it is kosher to put here to be read on air, Bootsy is adoptable, though his forever home will need to be patient and understanding with him and have some experience with one's fearful cats. The rescue group is Fancy Cats and Dogs Rescue Team in Northern Virginia. Bootsy also has a social media presence under the hashtag BootsyFCDRT and can be found on Insta and Facebook at DLWCatFoster. Thanks so much. Oh, what a baby. He's so cute. Oh, he's definitely put on some good weight. Oh, he's got lip freckles. Those are the best. Oh, he's so cute, baby. What a honey. Oh, what a honey. Thanks for doing that work. And thanks for all your patience with yes. cats like Bootsy. What a honey. All right. Next up from Stacy, pronouns he and him. A recent contributor sent you a pic of Mr. Josephine the cat. And the backstory made me think of cats I've also named before a sex check. <laughs> Here are a tuxedo named Jean Val Jean, who started out as Jean, a reverse tuxedo, Mosita, who was named for the stooge and later modified Mo to Mosita. They're engaged in what I call a showdown at Catnip Rock, the scratching post we dosed heavily with the stuff. They live in the Zuni Mountains of western New Mexico before they spent their last days in Corvallis, Oregon. Gone but not forgotten. Whoa, look at that reverse tux. That's so I don't cool. think I've seen anything like that before. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. Yeah, Stacey, we had a we had a Daryl that ended up being a Darlene and a Paul that a ended up Darryl. being a Paula. Uh, Wait, this is a very stupid question. I don't think you're ready for how stupid this question is, because I am <laughs> allergic to cats, as we all know. And this is my this is a very shameful thing for me. But how can what about the genitalia? Can you just check or is it because they don't let you get close enough to check? And that's why you name them whatever you name them. It's because when they're babies, it's really hard to tell what they are until they grow a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. So it's just it's real tough to tell. Oh, gosh, that's really funny. Okay. Well, I do like the reference to the Les Mis, Jean Valjean, (laughs) Jean Valjean. Very funny. I love it. And. And if anybody, this is a great new game. If you've had a yeah a, a pet name before a sex check, let us know. I love to know <laughs> about that. I love it. Okay. Uh, last up, Beans Court Anonymous. Pronouns he, him. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Can we do a would you rather for Beans Court? Oh, this is fun. Sure. Would you rather sure. share a golf cart with a former guy for an 18 holds of golf or sit between Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell for an entire Jeff Dunman show. Oh, no. Oh, oh. oh God. 
uh, oh, anonymous. Wait, how long? Um, how long is the show? Wait, uh, it's too long. Too long. He, here's the thing, and if you know anything about me, and maybe this is why they put these two things on here. Yeah, tell. Us. I was a I was a great scratch golfer in high school. Oh, I was a really really good golfer. I love golfing, what? and and when I would see Donald Trump driving his cart on the green, I would be like, "You fucking bastard!" Like really, yeah, really upset me. Uh huh. And also, obviously, we don't like Donald Trump. And then, of and he course, cheats. doesn't he cheat? I heard he cheats. He, yeah, he cheats, he cheats. Like a motherfucker. Yeah, hate that. And as far as Jeff Dunham, you know, I've been a comedian for like 10 years, so I'm sure you can guess my feelings on him. Um, mm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Jeff, the Jeff Dunham show, because it's just it's going to be shorter than 18 holes. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I don't know much about golf, but I know that it can take half the day. I mean, it can be like a very long situation. And I can't listen to Donald Trump talk about himself for fucking six hours. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the show. Because then, yeah, yeah, the show. Yeah, the show, for sure. Oh, God. Good one. That's a tough one. That is a good one. Yeah. Good one. I feel like you know me, Anonymous. I feel like you know me. Yeah. I feel like the way to go, like if you're seated in between, it's just, you just like fart a lot. Like that would be my secret revenge. I would just like (laughs) fart, 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 fart and make it so impossible for them to enjoy themselves. Yeah, like we could take over for the fart in a jar lady who had a heart attack. Prompt, so oh my God, I saw that. Yeah. Wait, okay. Mm-hmm. This is another stupid question. <laughs> you can't really bottle a fart smell. By the time you open it, there's no smell. I don't know. I, You know what? I'm going to go. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I don't know. Because like, it's just air. So no. But if anybody wants to conduct an experiment and let us know. Please let us know. A scientist. We'd be happy to take that. Please, if you're a scientist or you have experience with farts, that that's or you have a jar or you have a fart jar, (laughs) please tell us if you can smell it later on because you know that's seems like a waste of twenty five bucks or whatever she was charging. You you will have to make sure though before you close said jar that there is actually a fragrance to it because you don't want to just fart in a jar and if it happens to be a non smelly fart you oh never yeah know. that's true. you have to make sure you have that control in the experiment that you might suck all the air out. you might suck all the aroma out I'm just saying mm, mm, that's true mm, not good not good you know <laughs> there, one time I had this co star this cast member I used to work with really f- sweet nice guy and he came ugh, this was so weird like he came to work once and he was like you guys you guys because he started making candles or whatever and i i guess he found a perfume like to put in the candles a scent that was vulva scented okay it was not vulva scented i don't know what it smelled like but it smelled like rotten eggs (laughs) so maybe i'm like what if she has like a secret scent that she buys you know like a Mm. like whatever puts it at the bottom of the jar fart fart spray yeah you're still out of $25, but <laughs> could work. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Interesting experiment, though. Volva jars for the low price of $25.99. <laughs> I know. I'm always like in the wrong business, right? Yeah, we're on the wrong business. We are. All right. Well, anyway, thank you, everyone, for your submissions. Sorry, it got a little weird there at the end. Um, <laughs> sorry, not oh, wait, sorry. That's the weird part. <laughs> But um, I do appreciate everything that you sent in. If you have anything you want to send in, corrections, confessions, good news, fart in a jar stuff, whatever you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. But don't send us a fart on the jar. No, please. Um, no. If And if I get a jar in our P.O. box, I'm not going to open it. 
<laughs> I'm just not going to. And uh, do you have uh, any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think I really peaked at vulva scent. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. And I think my final thoughts came a little earlier in the show. Exactly. But, uh, I, you know, I do want to just, you know, say again, everybody on, on this on this anniversary that um, it's okay not to be okay. And I'm here for you and we're here for you. And this whole community is here for you. If you if you have any questions or concerns or, or issues um, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate again all of your support with uh, through all this with me and this show and all of us at the uh, on the beans team so thank you for that and amy thank you it's so good to see you today nice to see you too thanks for having me dana will be back tomorrow until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag and i've been amy carrero and them's the beans the daily beans is written and executive produced by allison gill with additional research and reporting by dana goldberg and amy carrero sound design and editing is by desiree mcfarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. Refried beans. I like refried beans. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch you will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.